following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. We are uh, continuing our study in the letter to the Ephesians in uh, chapter 6. Uh, we're going to look at verse 1 through 4, and that's uh, page 979 in the Pew Bibles. Um, we've been to talk about the, uh, the yokes of submission within a church family. Uh, and the specific relationships within a church family, and how uh, how those people in those relationships are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we started out with the submission of uh, believers in general uh, uh, to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And last week we talked about the marriage relationship. Um, and the submission and love of husbands and wives. And now we're moving on to parents and children. So, uh, children, I just want you to be very careful of where your elbows are because your parents might give you theirs in the ribs. So just watch yourself. We're going to look at the text and then we'll pray together. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for your word, and we are grateful that you care so much about us that uh, you have given us instructions uh, for our relationships within our families, that you care about how we interact and how we live, and that uh, our faith in you is not a matter of just believing what you've said but obeying what you've told us. So, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes this morning to your word, that we would hear your voice, and that our ears would be open and our hearts would be soft so we can receive your instruction and apply it to our lives. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's a lot going on in these four verses, and um, uh, I see parents smiling and kids not smiling. Um, But don't worry, there's something here for everyone. So um, there is a lot more going on, actually, than I first gave these verses credit for. Uh, so we're going to um, have to look at one tiny little bit at a time so that we can unpack the whole thing. Uh, so you smiling parents better wipe that grin off your face. <laughs> now a profound truth rings out in the very first word. Children. Children. And what's so profound about that? Well, no, we're not. Just don't make any assumptions. Be quiet. Let me talk. (laughs) 
Let's employ our good Bible study principles uh, when we look at this text, right? Let's ask the questions. Who wrote it? To whom was it written? And what were the circumstances? So who wrote it? Paul, the Apostle Paul. Anybody know when? See how good your Bible study resources really are. After, <laughs> you can tell he was kind of cranky. He might have been right before. Yes, Sam? Two or three thousand years. Well, it's a pretty wide span of time. It's written around 62 A.D., 62 uh, years or so after the Lord ascended, um, depending on what scholar you listen to. Anyway, 62 A.D. Now, who was it written to? This is the best part. The, the, <laughs> the Ephesians, right, the church, right, specifically the church in and around the city of Ephesus, which is Greek, you all know that. The Greek city of Ephesus. Now, I want to stop right there because this is significant. Very significant. Who is the letter, letter written to? The church. Okay? Do you get to where I'm going? The letter's written to the church. So, the first word in the passage is children. Now, what does that tell you? Amen. Paul was addressing the children in the church because he considered them part of the church. Right? Amen to that. <laughs> this is the very reason that we don't have a junior church where we send all the kids uh, away during our service so we're here together. And our nursery not a full-time thing, just a time-out spot. The kids are not the church of the future. They're not. You kids, you are not the church of the future. You're the church of today. We can't say, well, we know you'll be the church of the future when we're finished with it. <laughs> if that's how we're going to be, then the church will be finished before our kids get it. The kids are the church of today. They're present along with anybody else and should be included in worship. And they may be noisy and messy, but so is everybody else. Believe me, I hear you. They belong here. The kids belong here just as much as the rest of this family. All right? So, that's profound. They preach that just that right there in some churches today and they run you out on the rail. But this is the way the Bible says a church is to be. Children are part of the church. So, <laughs> I'd say get off my soapbox, but that's pretty much my job to stay up here and preach to you. Now, we have to remember, as we talked about before, that uh, Jesus Christ is the third person in every relationship. Right? Every relationship we have as Christians, even if you're talking to someone who does not know the Lord, doesn't matter, the Lord is still there. Okay? He is, he is there through faith in Him. He dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. So He is present in every circumstance and conversation that we find ourselves in. You think about it that way? I don't often think about that when I'm yelling at my kids or whatever. I won't give any more specific circumstances than that. But the Lord is there, present with us. All the time, in every relationship we have. So, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Here in verse 1, kids, we find both a command and an appeal. What's the command? The command is to obey your parents in the Lord. Right now I have one child obeying me in the Lord because I asked them to sit up front. The other ones didn't. (laughs) They forgot. We'll let it go. You're already embarrassed enough. Now, remember, we talked about umbrellas last week, right? Uh, The Lord is a big umbrella that covers us all in the church, right? The next umbrella in this particular instance is the umbrella of parents. Parents are under the big umbrella of the Lord, right? They are under the Lord, and you kids are under them, okay? So you're a little tiny umbrella underneath the umbrella of the parents and underneath the umbrella of the Lord. Now, the beauty of this command is that it's not a simple exhortation to obey your parents, but rather to obey your parents in the Lord. This is significant. And if you're a kid, you should be listening because you can use this later. To obey your parents in the Lord. Now, it's a twofold thing. On the one thing, on one hand, obedience to your parents is an act of worship. Do you know that? Now, remember, I'm just speaking to kids. Obedience to your parents is an act of worship. Even obedience to parents who do not know the Lord. Obedience to parents who don't know the Lord because you know the Lord, you're obeying Him. And that's an act of worship. Right? When you obey them, you are obeying Him. Okay? And in this way, your devotion to the Lord is exposed. You cannot claim to be devoted to the Lord and rebel against your parents. You're lying. That's not true. By disobeying them, you are disobeying Him. Now, on the other hand, obeying your parents in the Lord means that you are first and foremost responsible to the Lord. And you must be very careful on those occasions when a parent may ask you to step out from underneath the Lord's umbrella into sin. And this happens. We have to be very careful in those circumstances. I wish I could give you a blanket statement that this is how it ought to be, so just do this. But it's much more complicated than that. I pray that this never, ever happens to you. But if it does... I'd ask you, please, seek some wisdom from the rest of your family here. Uh, Find someone that you trust in the church family and confide in them and get counsel from them uh, so that we can help you. This is, unfortunately, a terrible circumstance that happens more often than we care to think about. So we have the command, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, But Paul also appeals to nature uh, in his exhortation for children to obey their parents. Children, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is right. It is the natural order of things that children are subject to and under the authority of their parents. This idea that... uh, 
people don't have to raise their kids anymore. Who am I to say they can't stay up eating Skittles and jumping on the trampoline until 3 o'clock in the morning? They'll go to sleep when they're tired. This is, this is not only contrary to God's Word, it's contrary to nature itself. That's ridiculous. But we still need to love our neighbors anyway. But as uh, I was, this is very interesting, was watching the uh, State of the State address for the state of Maine, where we are from, uh, and the governor, Paul LePage, uh, addressed the state, and he says, uh, doing things right is not the same as doing the right thing. I thought this very profound. He probably got it from somebody else, but he didn't tell me who. Doing things right is not the same as doing the right thing. What I mean is, I don't know what he was talking about, but what I mean is that obedience must not simply be following orders with bitterness and grumbling and complaining. Just doing as you're told under protest. That might be doing things right, but it's not doing the right thing. Are you obeying? Sure. Are you grumbling and complaining? Yes. What's that tell you about your heart? We have to remember that submission is an act of love and of worship. It's not easy, but it's right. Well, that's verse 1. Let's look at verse 2 and 3. This is where all you smiling parents need to knock it off because you're not off the hook either. Verse 2, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, Paul has started out with a very narrow field of people, children, Obey your parents. Now, we know the difference between a, parent, a, a child and an adult, don't we? Maybe. Maybe we don't. I think I'll talk about that. So, Paul expands this field of submission. He begins with adolescent children. When he says children, he's not kidding. Adolescent children. Starts with them with a the command to obey their parents. But now it goes beyond that to include adult children. Now, that's not adults that act like children. It's adults came from somebody somewhere. We weren't uh, hatched uh, and left on an island, right? The command to honor our fathers and mothers does not get cut off when a person reaches adulthood. Now, out of curiosity, because I bet there's as many different definitions as there are people in this room, how do you know when you're an adult? How do you know when a person reaches adulthood? Do you know what that definition is? I can't, my kids are raising their hands because they've heard this before. Is it when you turn 18? Is it when you get your driver's license? Or graduate high school or graduate college? When you move out of mom and dad's house? Well, society has some pretty loose definitions, I think. You're 18, you can do whatever you want. Right? You don't live with mom and dad, you can do whatever you want. Now, if you look around... I don't think it would take very long for you to see some pretty childish adults, quote-unquote. Those are people using those definitions. I turn 18, I'm an adult. I can carry a rifle for the country, then I can make my own decisions. I'm not going to call on you to answer, Dan. Relax. Now, in our family, I'll tell you what the kids want to tell you so badly. Uh, based on my understanding of God's word, 
Adulthood is not a question of age. It's not a question of stage. It's a question of responsibility. The difference between a child and adult, between a child and an adult, is responsibility. An adult takes responsibility for themselves in the household. A child does not. Right? So when I ask my kids, what's the difference between a boy and a man? A man takes responsibility for himself and his household. Right? That's the difference. Now, when you think about that, I'm 18, but I don't have any responsibilities at all. Well, don't call yourself an adult. Right? That's important. Now, I know that uh, we want to spread our wings and we want to try things out. But until the responsibility is yours, it's not yours. Okay? When we even use this definition of responsibility, the command to honor your father and mother does not ever get cut off. It doesn't say honor your father and mother until you're responsible for your own household. Then forget them. That's not what the Word of God says. We don't outgrow that. No matter how old we are, no matter how old they are, we are still responsible to honor them. Do you know how I know that? Because Jesus said so. Let's look at his words. You can look at Matthew 15 if you'd like. Start at verse 1. Matthew 15. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now, who is Jesus speaking to, little kids? No, he's speaking to grown men, leaders of the nation of Israel. These are not kids at all, not speaking to little children. He was speaking to grown men who had spiritualized the shirking of their duty to care for their aging parents. When Jesus said this, Mom and dad are destitute. They need support. They need help. They need food. They need shelter. And the, these guys were saying, I can't help you because I'm giving all that money and, and resources to good. So you can't have it. So you still take care of yourself. Honoring our parents is our God-given duty. And is an act of worship to the Lord. And that does not stop. Now to be clear, for a child, an adolescent child, obeying your parents is to honor them. But for an adult, honoring your parents does not necessarily mean obeying them. 
Uh, my dad does not have authority over me and my life anymore. However, it's still my responsibility to honor him. That doesn't mean he says to me, go take out the trash, and I say, yes, sir, and go do it. Well, that's different. I'm talking about my dad. <laughs> right? There, there comes a point, and it's different for everyone, where a parent moves from being responsible for their child to being their child's responsibility. And there's kind of a gray area in between there where mom and dad can just be. They don't have to worry about being responsible for their kids. and They don't have to worry about their kids taking care of them either. But uh, we're seeing that time is short. But enjoyable, so I hear. I don't know. I'm not there. By taking on the responsibility of our parents, we honor them by speaking well of them, by not reviling them or slandering them, we honor them. That doesn't mean your parents have to be wonderful people, because I know not all parents are. But our responsibility is to still honor them, no matter what kind of person they are no matter how good or, per- good or bad a person might be, whether you even ever set eyes on them or not, you can at the very least be grateful to them for bringing you into the world and so honor them. And the promise is not attached to this commandment by mistake, that it may go well with you and that you will live long in the land. Now I have to admit I'm not 100% sure what that means. I'll read a lot. A lot of scholars have different opinions about that. But I've said it before. I take the idiot's eye view of Scripture. So here's what I think it means. Uh, I think it means that it will go well with you and you will live long in the land. I'm going to stick with that. This is a promise of God to His children to us and God's promises are always fulfilled whether literally now or by the substitution of a higher spiritual or an, an eternal blessing God's promises are always fulfilled and God promise if you honor your mother and father it will go well with you and you will live long in the land and finally verse 4 You thought this was all going to be about the kids, didn't you? Verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Well, I blew that one today. Um, How is it even possible for fathers to not make their kids mad? That's like, Dad, don't be dad because it's going to tick your kids off. So... That's, but that's not it. This could, this could stand its own sermon, to be honest. And as there is no football on this afternoon, we'll just keep going. <laughs> These are the ways in which parents submit to their children out of reverence for Christ. By not provoking them to anger, but bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is how we parents fulfill this submission idea. Submission to our kids. Now, fathers, as the head of the household, 
bear the primary responsibility for discipline and instruction for the children in his household. Now, that doesn't mean that mothers are not involved or that household without fathers don't have to worry about discipline. Fathers bear the responsibility for discipline and instruction, though they are not the sole agents of it. Did your mom ever say to you, you just wait until your dad gets home? <laughs> like every day, right? If, if you've heard that before, you know what I mean. Mom is in the process of disciplining you and needs to call on a higher authority, right, to, to get you to do whatever it was that she's trying to get you to do or stop doing whatever. I remember once a plane outside and the sun was going down and mom says, it's time to come in. And I didn't want to come in. And I said, I'll only do what dad tells me to do. Oh, my Lord. I still walk with a limp. <laughs> it's a bad idea. It was a bad idea for me. It didn't work out in my favor. Dad did come home. And that was the end of life as I knew it. <laughs> Parenting is a team effort. And within the church family is to, done, to be done with intentionality and grace. You may be thinking, when he says, don't provoke your children to anger, does that mean we're not allowed to make our kids mad? Or are we sinning if they get mad at us? Because it says, don't provoke them to anger, right? Well, I think uh, the answer is in the contrast that Paul makes. He says, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I think this is interesting because the discipline and instruction of the Lord is not just the subject matter of how we are to uh, parent our kids or, or what we as Christian parents are to teach our children. It's not just the subject matter, but also the method of how we instruct them. How does the Lord discipline? How does the Lord instruct? Does our parenting mirror the way of Jesus? Inconsistency, hypocrisy, unreasonable severity and harshness, berating, name-calling. This is how to provoke your children to anger in your discipline of them. That's not the way of Christ, is it? Did Jesus ever get mad while he's here on earth? Yeah. Remember making a whip and flipping over tables and yelling at people and kicking them out of the temple. Right? So it's not all about being Mr. Rogers when it comes to dealing with your children. Right? Now just tie on your shoes, Timmy. Put on your play sweater. Right? It's not like that. Right? It's not always like that. But discipline is not designed to be an act of anger or hatred. It's an act of love. Now, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that. Uh, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't know how else to say it. I don't like it, but it's the truth. Discipline is an act of love, and it must be done in love. Proverbs 13:24 says, Whoever spares the rod... Rod uh, hates his son. We've, you've heard, you, ha, you have heard, spare the rod, spoil the child, right? 
whoever spares the rod hates his son, his child. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. You know what a rod is? It's a stick. You know what sticks are for? <laughs> Smacking. All right? Hebrews 12:11 says, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The peaceful fruit of righteousness. That's the goal of the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Right? Because we don't find righteousness away from Jesus. We don't find peace apart from the Holy Spirit. The peaceful fruit of righteousness is our goal, should be our goal as parents in the discipline and instruction of our children in the Lord. Because kids that are allowed to be disobedient grow into what the world might call adults, but by our definition are not. They grow into people who reject authority and accountability. Now, turn on your TV for five minutes and see what you see. What you see is the fruit of uh, permissive parenting. I was listening to a sermon uh, in preparation for this week. Uh, My favorite preacher, Ray Stedman, he's talking about how uh, permissive parenting, like kids just, you know, do whatever you want as long as you get fed, I guess, and make it to school on time, and you're fine. But we don't care about uh, what you think or how you do anything. Permissive parenting leads to rebellion. And he's looking out and seeing riots and and, uh, protests and all this stuff. He's saying, this is what permissive parents have brought us to. The funny thing is he gave the sermon in 1974. That's 2017 now. Now look at your screens and see what you see. We as the church are responsible to upend the trend and raise our children in discipline and instruction of the Lord. That means they don't get everything that they want. And that means we don't get everything that we want either. Because isn't it easier just to give up and give in? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And as children and as parents, this is how we do it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you that you care about the practical details of our lives. And there may be some adjustments that we have to make according to this word this morning. And I pray that you would discipline us as your sons and daughters, that we may discipline our children and be disciplined children. Father, we need your Holy Spirit's help to apply this word to our lives this morning. So we entrust you with that to work. May our lives be lived out as acts of worship to you. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.